0: Good morning, my name is Michael, I'm the lead pastor here at Victory, if you're a first time guest today, we welcome you today, we're thrilled that you've taken the opportunity to come and be part of our worship service, we know that there are a lot of great churches in the West Memphis Marion area, and we're thrilled to have you here with us today. This morning is the uh, advent of a new series, it's going to be four weeks, this will take us all the way through the month of August just want to apologize in advance. My throat is a little bit strange today. As a matter of fact, this is one of those days. Have you ever had a day where you, you get up out of the bed and you just know that everything that immediately goes wrong and you go, okay, I need to rewind this day back to 11 o'clock last night, go back to bed, get another seven or eight hours of sleep if I can, and then get out of the bed the right way. So this is one of those days for me. I need your prayers. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, I'll pray for him, will you? Tell somebody, All right. So I need all I can get today. Let me just say that it's important as we begin this series that we begin with a strong footing in what we're doing and why why we're paying attention to our words. So I want to ask you a question. Have any of you ever had a friend that you could count on to encourage you when you were discouraged, to sort of help level out things and give you a fresh perspective when you were worried or anxious about circumstances and once you talk to him or her then it's just like peace sort of settled over you and you thought you know circumstances haven't necessarily changed but I have a new perspective on them and so really what needed to change has and that's what's in my own mind or maybe um, someone took the time to come along and just really invest in you build in you when they could tell that you were down and so they lifted you up any of you ever had a friend like that the reason that you always know you can go to that person is because that person recognizes the important power of his or her words. The Bible in Isaiah chapter 50, we're not going to turn there this morning. It's just sort of a rolling in me, all the studying that I've been doing on this. Isaiah 50 talks about the tongue of the learned. It says, the Spirit of the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned so that I may know how to speak a word to him that is weary in season. And so if you'll notice, there are several things in there in that passage, how, the word itself, what you say, everybody say how you say it, say how, what, who, and when. So the Spirit of the Lord has given me the tongue of the Lord so that I may know how to speak a word, that's what, to him that is weary, that's who, in season. So there's a right time to speak up and say things. There's a right time, always, how we say things is really as important, sometimes if not more important than what we say. Come on, how many you know what I'm talking about? Because tone and spirit and context really means so very much. And so as we begin this series, we're talking about the importance of our words. We, we are familiar with the passage in Proverbs where it says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so it is with that awareness today that we begin this series called Say It. So, our text is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. The title of the message is called Faith Speaks. Everybody say, Faith Speaks. Stand with me, if you would, please, and find a screen where it's comfortable for you to read. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. We will be reading this one as our series text every Sunday. Hopefully, by the end of the four weeks, you'll have this little passage memorized. Here we go. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke we also believe and therefore are we also speak I'm sorry I'm quoting an old one in my head get the last line again we also believe and so we also speak now as we do this series and as we start this message today called faith speaks I have one thing I have one thing that if you were to be asked today at lunch What did the pastor preach about? Then this is what I want you to be able to say. Here we go. Here's our one thing. Say it out loud with me. Belief in the heart is activated by words in the mouth. Now, where's the belief? So how does it come out? So the the words of our mouth activates what? Belief Belief in our heart, okay? So I believe in my heart, and then I speak it with my mouth. So the message today is faith speaks. Before you sit down, we're actually going to get our first point in the message, and here it is right here the the English word creed comes from the Latin word credo credo means I believe and so when we with the church of the ages say together words that have been recited for literally not just centuries but millennia and what we're going to say together is called the Apostles Creed it's 12 statements of faith that are the basics of Christianity Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones said these are the irreducible minimums of faith. You cannot boil this down less than, and let me just say this, if you don't believe these 12 basic fundamentals of Christianity, then by definition you're not really a Christian because that's what this means. You ascribe to and confirm this simple set of beliefs. Now there are a lot of things that are not included here, but these 12 things are the basics over which we won't take time to argue. So we affirm these things. Here we go. Let's say this together. Let me just say this now one more thing before we go. I'm not trying to make you a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a Lutheran or whatever denomination. Some of you have come from backgrounds where you're used to saying this. The reason this has been honored across the whole denominational spectrum for over 1800 years is because for so long the people couldn't read And the reason they recited these things is because they would commit them to memory and it would solidify the beliefs and the words. Through the words they spoke, they activated the beliefs that were now in their heart. So let's join with the church of the ages and let's recite this together. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's pray together before you're seated. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for these powerful words. We join our hearts together with congregations around the world that say these powerful words. Words are containers. They carry ideas and information and, and the ability to change circumstances. God, we honor you today and we just pray. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. I honor you and I say with my mouth that apart from you I can do nothing. I'm utterly dependent upon you, Lord. But Lord, thank you today that I'm not apart from you, that through you and with you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Teacher, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in this place. Take my words... Take the ears and the hearts and the eyes and the understanding of your people and change, transform, enrich, correct, enlarge, strengthen. God, increase what needs to increase. Decrease what needs to decrease. We pray for your Holy Spirit to move and have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated this morning in God's wonderful presence. One of the things that has added to the craziness of the day is that I forgot to charge my iPad last night, and so it actually died in the first service. Somebody rushed up as soon as we were singing the last song and said, let me go charge it up and plug it for you, and it only gave me like 17%, it's already like down to 8 now, so I'm just going to preach from the phone here. I'm not, uh, not playing a phone game or apps here. These are, these are my message notes. Uh, and I didn't think of it last service, so I don't know why I didn't in this one clearly god uses the whole whole the, the completion the composite all of the contents of his word to save us and sanctify us all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for teaching to quote the king james it says profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished perfect in every way, so that he may be able to accomplish every work that God has called him to. And when I use pronouns that are gender-specific, I do not mean to be gender-specific. I mean mankind men. We're not excluding ladies. So if that the person of God may be thoroughly furnished in every way. The Word of God includes the Law, the Psalms, the Prophets, the Gospel. The Law is advice. It tells you what you should do in order to receive God's blessing. Uh, Very simply, the Law says behave. I, I remember growing up and Mama would say "Now, to me and my younger brother, we were going somewhere and she'd say, now you boys behave now. And I always thought that was the strangest word. What is have? How do you behave? <laughs> now, I was just a weird kid, okay? I was a little word nerd, you know, I just paid attention. I'm like, well, how do you, what is have? How do you behave? You know what it is it's the verb for make your behavior appropriate. Make sure that your behavior matches the situation that you're in, let it, let it be situational appropriate. What is is the right thing to do? And do it. In other words, you've been taught, boys. You've been trained. You don't act like you're supposed to. You don't behave. Guess what you're going to get when you get home? You're going to get reacquainted with the Board of Education, which was Daddy's belt. And so the law says behave. And the thing about the law, it's it's spiritual. It's holy. It's wonderful. It It is the codification of the character of God. It is God's character written down. It, it it is it makes a demand but it cannot deliver the results that the demand requires so the law says behave contrary to that law which is perfect and which is holy and which is righteous which makes a demand there's nothing wrong with the law but the problem is with my weakness in the flesh my sinful nature to which I'm born into the world Bible says the law was weakened that through the flesh the sinful flesh of man that it wasn't able to deliver so what is that Romans 8 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh so that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That passage, that mouthful of of quotation of King James Romans 8, 1 through 4, literally is basically saying, now because you're in Christ and you're you're, you're not living under the, the demand or the commandment or the curse that the law brings because it says behave. Because the gospel doesn't say behave. The gospel says believe. Everybody say believe. Okay. So one makes a demand but can't deliver. The gospel says believe and it delivers. It brings with it the capacity, the power, the dynamis, the grace, the ability of God to carry out the word that was spoken. And so we, we make that distinction this morning. When we talk briefly about the gospel of God in terms of believing. We believe in our heart, and those words that we believe, those ideas we believe are activated by the words of our mouth. Dr. Francis Schaeffer was a hero of mine. He was probably the greatest Christian philosopher, theologian, apologist of the 20th century, evangelical, conservative Bible teacher. He was the mentor to Charles Coulson, after Charles Coulson went to jail in the Nixon administration and had a, a truly miraculous conversion, was born again in Christ in prison. And Coulson uh, literally launched what is one of the greatest prison ministries in the late 20th century. It was called Prison Fellowship, and multitudes of prisoners have truly been rehabilitated because they've come to know Jesus Christ and those who go through his program have the absolute lowest recidivism rate that's a hundred dollar word for meaning the tendency to come back and end up back in prison again recidivism is that rate which brings them back around for another stay on the government payroll so to speak and so those who've been through prison fellowship uh, are more likely than not to to be able to make it in society and become productive members of society and, and Colson was mentored by Dr. Schaefer, and he, he wrote a book and he, in the 80's I bought everything that he wrote and I've studied and read every one of them several times over the years. As a matter of fact Schaefer was was one who first began to talk about this concept of worldview And so he's to some extent an originator of of those kinds of ideas or gave us this concept of a, of a biblical life and worldview uh, A perspective on the world that should be shaped based upon the word of God and not by whatever the latest ideas or the trendy or faddish concepts that are seeming to dominate the local culture but that we build our lives on something that is timeless something that is substantial something that truly is in every kind of way unchanging that's God's word somebody say amen He wrote a book, He said, He is there and He he speaks. In other words, God is a God who is present, but He's also a communicating God. He is a speaking God. Everybody say that with me. He is a speaking God. Hebrews 11, chapter 3, on your screen, says it this way. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible listen to the King James. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So what he's saying is contrary to the beautiful poetic language of some of the psalmists and a lot of great gospel songs which talk about God taking his hand and scooping out the seas and pushing the the stones and the rock up into the mountains. uh, a, A lot of that kind of uh, imagery is what we call anthropomorphic. Anthropos meaning man, and morph meaning form or the, the body of. Sometimes we use, the Bible uses what is called anthropomorphic language. That is, it ascribes characteristics of mankind to God when it talks about the hands of the Lord or the eyes of God. Now we realize we need to know that God is a spirit, okay? He's not a man, He does not have a body like you or I do okay now Jesus changed all that when he came to the earth and in his incarnation it was Emmanuel God with us he became the beginning of a whole new creation of of a race on the planet a, a, a race of God men because he was God and man in the flesh and now when we are in Christ literally we have become part of that whole new creation everybody say I'm a new creation Say, I'm a brand new man. Say, old things have passed away. Say, I've been born again. That's a great old song we used to sing years ago. And the awareness of the, the, the new creation of God that comes to us is so vital when we understand our role in speaking words because when God stamped his image upon you and me, the Imago Dei, we most become like him when we participate in the ability to communicate things. I believe everything living on the planet has some kind of communication, whether it's a grunt or a bark or a meow or a moan or a growl or a hiss. Scientists even tell us that there are vibrations that they believe are literally communications with the plants. I don't know whether you believe that or not. I don't care. I'm not preaching some kind of newfangled. This is not heresy at victory. So I'm just telling you what they're saying. I believe that all living things have some kind of communication. The, the, the thing about this is, as the crown of God's creation as human beings, we have the ability to communicate on a level of specificity. We can be very specific in terms of not just communicating very primal, basic needs, but we can communicate great ideas. We can go very intellectual. Let me just let me go very intellectual on you right now. I'm going to say a word. I'm going to say, here, here comes the word. Are you ready? Apple. Apple. When when I say the word, those of you who had an image of a green Granny Smith crisp apple, raise your hand. Okay, those of you who had a Washington red apple in your mind, raise your hand. Those of you who saw the company that created this, raise your hand. (laughs) Now, every one of you got an image, and that's because my word had power in it. It had the ability to communicate something to your mind. And the more specific I get, the greater the ability to communicate becomes. If I say the young man sat at his Apple, his MacBook, Apple computer, chomping down on a tart Granny Smith Apple, then all of a sudden I've created a very specific image in your mind because the words have that capacity. They carry with them the ability to to create something. My words are creative. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, your words are creative. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. They can build something up. They can tear something down. And so when we talk about this, this series and saying it, we want to really correlate these two things of believing in the heart and speaking with the mouth. Because the one thing I want you to take away today is belief in the heart is activated by words in the mouth. Say it again. Here we go. Belief in the heart is activated by words in the mouth. Now, why is this important? Because we talked just for a moment about the foundation of our faith. As believers, we have a composite of what we refer to as Judeo-Christian teaching. God revealed Himself to Abraham. And and we understand this whole move with the covenant that was created with the Jewish people, with the Hebrews, okay? And all of those covenants that were created were actually spoken covenants. They were oral covenants. They didn't have papyrus. They didn't have a a, a nice pen and some paper. They didn't have um, a, a wireless keyboard to attach to an iPad and to type up uh, uh, the, the contract. As a matter of fact, contract was not even an idea that doesn't really even come along until much, 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 much later, literally thousands of years later. The history that was passed down was not written history, it was oral history. It was communicated from one generation to the next. Fathers told their sons, who were held responsible to tell their sons, mothers told their daughters who were supposed to tell their daughters, who would tell their daughters. And so it's passed from generation to generation to generation. The psalmist says, oh, that the sons of men would declare the goodness of God and the marvelous things that the Lord has done to the children of men. The Bible says, so that they may know. One of the most powerful things you can do for your children is to tell them what God has done in your life. Because nobody can argue with that. Nobody can take away your personal experience. We can argue about theology. We can argue about belief systems. But when you share your testimony, where God has walked you through a test and it becomes a testimony, how many of you know that's the most powerful thing you can share with somebody else? And when you can look at somebody and say, I once was, but now I'm. You fill in both of those blanks and you say, I once was, but Jesus came into my life and touched my heart and changed me and now I'm. Those are the greatest, most powerful words that you can share on the planet when it comes to what you're supposed to speak about who God is in your life. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. With all of my heart, I believe that. These covenants were made As people met together and they spoke words, two warring chiefs who led tribes would meet together and the the chiefs would stand together in the midst of sacrificial offerings that had been made and would walk among those sacrifices and they would literally take a knife and cut open their own hands. I don't mean to any great degree of depth, but enough to make blood drip and they would take their hands and grip the hand not just the hand itself but way up onto the arm and both of them would grip the arms and the hands of each other and let their blood mingle and they would say from this day forward we are now one you and I have become one new creation and the blessings that will come to you that we've spoken here are yours and everything that I can bring to the covenant I bring and it will be to you and to your offspring and to your people and the other king promises the same thing everything that I am and that I have I will bring and make available to you and to your offspring and to your people they not only speak promises but they also speak curses they speak sanctions they say if If there is anything that I do that violates this, if I lack my integrity and I lie to you and I don't walk in what I'm supposed to be doing, then the curses we've listed here will come upon us. And not only you, but the generations to follow you are able to carry those out upon me and my people. And vice versa. These blessings and these curses are verbally spoken, believed in the heart, activated by the words of the mouth this is the very same thing that takes place between us and God when the covenant is spoken and the blessings are declared and we stand together in agreement and blood that has already been shed Jesus for us and the blessings now come because the gospel is not advice like the law that tells us to behave but the gospel is good news about what has happened and it very simply is tells us to believe, not behave but believe and when we begin to believe it brings with it the capacity in those words are the creative power to alter our behavior what the law could not do through the flesh because it was weak demanding behavior but now the gospel tells me to believe and it now empowers me it brings the dunamis the grace the strength the blessing the gift the power the spirit of the Lord are you hearing what I'm saying so when we believe and we get that in line and we begin to speak that, then there's just one step between thought, word, and deed. Everything living has stages of growth. Just like you see the seed in the ground, and the plant that sprouts, and the full fruit. You see the germination, husband and wife. And seed is planted, and nine months there's a delivery. And then, even that child, once it's born, has three stages childhood the 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 intermediate stage of teenage years and then adulthood and so we 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 see these in the very same way ideas in the bible have these three forms of expression thought it begins as a thought then we begin to talk about it it starts to be expressed in words and then out of the words we start to live out in behavior we believe it and then it becomes behavior because it was a thought now it becomes a word and then it becomes a deed everybody say thought word indeed say it with me come on thought word indeed okay now, how does all this apply to us as believers when we start talking about the importance of speaking our faith? Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 11, how does this work? When you pray, the Bible says in, in Luke 11:1. 1, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Show us, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus, next verse here, it says, and then he said to them, when you pray, what? Say. Say. Now, let me just tell you this right now. I don't believe that necessarily every prayer 100% of the time has to be spoken out loud because there are circumstances that you cannot pray out loud. You may be in a tense environment in your office and you may have to just think a prayer. You may have to just... I mean, this is like a thought bubble that comes out and that goes, Oh God, help me. With a smile on your face, sitting in a meeting. And you're thinking, Holy Spirit, please guide my heart. Guard my mouth. Help me to speak words that are going to bring life and not death. How many of you know, under the gun, under emotions, sometimes we say things that we have to go back and apologize for. So words are important. The Bible says... Literally, that there will come a time where we stand before God and we will be brought into judgment for every idle word that has been spoken. Every every word that doesn't have a purpose. It's just meaningless chatter. Matthew 12, 37 says, By your words you will be justified, or by your words you will be condemned. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? What? Speaks. So belief in the heart is activated by words in the mouth. Say it with me one more time. Belief in the heart is activated by words in the mouth. We're getting that one thing. But Jesus even says, when you pray, say. I believe that praying, that, 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 that just beside, you know, once in a while thinking a prayer is fine. When you can't speak it, but I believe that we need to recognize the importance of the pattern that God has given to us because God didn't just think creation into being. He thought it and then he spoke it. He thought it, then he expressed it. You guys fill out prayer requests on a regular basis, actually every week, and uh, Heather gathers all of those. She puts them together and she emails them to the pastoral staff. When we have meetings, we pray over them. I'm sitting every morning at 6 a.m., coffee in hand, Bible open, out the back patio, backyard, and, and, and I'm sitting out there reading the word and I'm praying, and I'm by myself. It's a big backyard, nobody's out there, nobody sees me. I'm talking out loud Father in the name of Jesus I pray right now for, for, for the healing over Charlie Dabbs I pray oh God in the name of Jesus for salvation to this sister's family I pray in the name of and I'm calling your names I'm, I'm reading the prayer request off of my phone because they've been emailed to me and after I've already had my own personal time of worship in the Word, and I'm asking God for direction and asking Him to fill me with His Holy Spirit and equip me for the day, then I'm lifting up your prayer request. I'm standing in agreement with you because Jesus said when you pray, say. Everybody say, say. It's important to speak it because I believe something happens when those words penetrate the atmosphere. Because words have the ability to join the invisible and the visible realm together. Words have the ability to bring heaven to earth. Words that are in agreement with the will of God have the ability to create out of nothing something that shows up in the middle of your circumstances. (laughs) Words are the ability where you share in the imago day in the image of God where in the middle of darkness... Light comes out of your mouth and God changes your situation and your circumstances. Sometimes the circumstance might not immediately change, but he'll give you a change in your perspective. And sometimes that's all you needed anyhow. So when you pray, say, verse here in Mark chapter 11, this is a famous passage. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, speak to the mountain. Jesus answered them, have faith in God verse 23 truly I say to you whoever what says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not want doubt in his heart so belief in the heart is activated by words in the mouth here we go says in his mouth doubt no do not doubt in his heart read with me but believes that what he says will what come to pass it will be done for him the mountain is whatever obstacle that's standing in the way of you accomplishing the will of God in your life. It's whatever obstacle is standing in the way for peace to come in your relationships. It's whatever is standing in your way for provision to come in your finances and healing to come in your body. Provision in whatever area. There is nothing that I need that He won't supply. Mm as we were jabbing that this morning, trying to push that into your spirit, emphasizing that. There is nothing that I need that He won't provide, if I want. But believes that what He says will come to pass, it will be done for Him. Get the next verse. Here we go, verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, it will be yours. Notice the tenses. Whatever you ask in prayer, what tense is that? present believe that you what have received it what tense is that past and it will what what tense is that okay so what is he saying you believe it in your heart don't doubt you're speaking to your obstacle move get out the way get out the way come on help me move that's it Get out the way. You're speaking by faith. You're declaring, be cast into the sea. Set on fire. Bring victory to Zion in the name of Jesus. And so as you begin to do that, the Bible says that whatever you ask in prayer, if you ask believing that you have already received it, but I haven't, it's not here. But yeah, faith sees the payment that Jesus made at the cross 2,000 years ago. Faith sees that it was already appropriated for you, not just before the need arose, but before you were even born. God saw this day. God saw this circumstance. God saw this need. God saw this problem that you're in the middle of. And he says, when you ask in the present... Believing that you have already received it in the past. That's what the cross did. He says, then it will be. Then all you're doing is just waiting to see it pop into reality. Waiting to see circumstances change. Waiting to see the mount move. Because you've believed in your heart and you've spoken it with your mouth. You've activated the words with your mouth. Now, I I believe it's important. One last thing and I'm going to be finished today. And that is that we recognize how we practice this. Give me some practicals. I I, I don't want to just get caught up in the idea that sort of arose out of the faith movement in in the 70s and the 80s that if I just pick a promise and I speak it, that I can sort of, wrestle God's arm behind his back and have to make him. He has to do what I ask him to do. And there are people who actually think that's what this means. And that's not at all anywhere near what I'm talking about. So many too many times people will come to me and they say, Pastor, please pray because I have this job opportunity. Pray that I get this job. And more times than not, I'm going to just tell you, sometimes we prayed and that job was the one they would gotten. But I've learned over the years to just say, let's pray for God to provide you with the perfect job that will fit your skill set and your your personality and, and, and what you do and you love to do with a passion, that that, that prosperity and blessings going to follow what you do with a passion. You're gonna do it with all your heart, set your, your hand to it, and your mind to it, and the blessing of God will come. And sometimes folks don't understand that. They'll get a little upset and go, Well, why don't you stand in agreement with me? And I said, I go, I am agreeing with you. I just don't necessarily know this job is the one God's gonna give you. Because too many times the one they thought they were gonna get actually was the good that was standing in the way before the better showed up and and so many times the good one they want people to pray and get an agreement with them about and stand in faith with them falls through and then they get all down in the mouth and just 36 hours a day and a half later somebody out of the blue calls and says hey listen I know a situation down here where they really need somebody and the the, skill sets you have would match it perfectly And all of a sudden you go, you know what? If I'd taken this job, I wouldn't even be listening. And the one that you end up getting is better than the one you thought you were going to get in the first place. (laughs) There's an old, old uh, black spiritual song. It says, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Help me now. He may not come when you want him, Job said, but he'd be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He will always show up on his time. I believe that with all of my heart. Look at these practicals this morning. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, but the righteousness based on faith says... Don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Let's get the context and I'll explain it. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. In other words, he's saying this is not something you're going to have to go on a quest to find. Because Christ has already come down as the God-man. He already took your sins and paid the penalty for the whole curse. He's already come up from the grave. So you don't have to go to heaven to get him to bring the blessing down. You don't have to pray the blessing down because the blessings are already yours now in Christ. You don't have to go down way deep and bring him up because Christ has already paid the the price and he's already been raised from the dead. Are you following? It's not something you do because it's something he's already done. Look with me here. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Now, let's continue reading here because I want you to see what he says. Because if you confess with your what? That Jesus is Lord and believe in your what? Your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? So we've got this principle here. This is how you got saved. You believed it in your heart, but that wasn't enough. You have to activate belief in your heart By words in your mouth. You proclaim it. You speak it. You declare it. Because you are participating in the image of God. God didn't just think creation into being. He spoke it into being. He had the thought then the thought was expressed in a word. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you're already having the thoughts of what your life would be like if Jesus really was Lord of every area. You're already having the thought. Faith is already arising in your hearts right now. And in a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to activate the belief that's already working in your heart and make it come to pass in your life by words out of your mouth. Because Jesus says this is how it operates. It's a two-fold process. You believe in your heart. You speak with your mouth. That God raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. Look, He's going to give it to us again, say the same thing in a different way. For with the heart one believes and is justified, But with the mouth, what? One confesses and is saved. One more verse of Scripture, verse 11. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Now, this is what I want you to see as I bring this message to an end this morning. All of the most critical decisions you will ever make always involve your mouth. When you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you believe it in your heart, and you speak it with your mouth. The second most important decision that you will ever make is standing at an altar before a man of God with friends. She brings her maid of honor, you bring your best man. You stand before friends and family and witnesses, and you speak words. You declare vows. You say, forsaking all others, I will cherish, I will love, I will honor, I will obey. You talk about conditions not just when things are good, but in sickness and in health, in, 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 in prosperity and over adversity. You talk about all kinds of circumstances because you know that life brings things that you don't plan. We make plans and then life happens. And so we speak words. We say, I will be there for you. I will not only be faithful to you, but I will be there through thick and thin. I will be there through good and bad. I will be there when I don't feel like it. I will be committed to you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to be loyal to you. I believe there's a covenant of friendship that sometimes God brings people together. I believe real partners in ministry understand this very aspect that I'm talking about. Because if you're going to do anything lasting for the kingdom of God, you've got to know that you have somebody you can count on. And so... The covenant you make with Christ is believed in the heart and spoken with the mouth. The covenant you make with your spouse is believed in the heart and spoken with the mouth. Another important event that takes place in your life is when you go before a court and you give a testimony, you attest to a circumstance or a set of facts. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that no one is to be given the death penalty on the basis of one witness alone. But it says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. 2 so Corinthians Corinthians 13.1 says it again in the New Testament. Out of two or three witnesses' mouths, let every word be established. So you are, you are standing before people, witnesses. You get on the witness stand. You give your testimony. You put your hand on the Bible. You say, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. I swear affirm whatever language you choose to use. But you're saying your word is true to reality. You promise to tell the truth because your words have power especially if you've been called to be a witness in somebody's murder trial and you know what you saw and another witness comes along and verifies it and other corroborating evidence shows that what those two witnesses have said is the truth let me just say this to you God will never give you a subjective word uh, an impression a dream a vision or a promise to stand on that's going to Stand in opposition to what his written word has already said. It will always be a confirming word. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I believe God's speaking. I believe he's talking to us right now. The problem is most of us don't stop to listen because we're so busy with our lives and all the static of life. And all of the routine and all of the worries and all of the things that choke out the word of God and the the deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other things and all of this stuff that we feel like we have to have and we're chasing and pursuing. And the still small voice of the Lord is there talking all the time and it's being drowned out by all the junk. If we can just hear that voice and we can read the word and we can get those two witnesses of spirit and truth and let them line up in us, and then we believe that in our heart, and then we activate it by the words of our mouths. You have power in your mouth. You have power in your life. You can change a person's life by investing in him or her, by encouraging someone when they may be at their lowest, by loving somebody enough to bring truth spoken in love when gentle correction needs to come. Sometimes the most wonderful loving thing you can do is rebuke somebody with love. I'm thankful. I'm thankful because sometimes I can get so focused in one direction or another. I'm thankful to have people that speak into my life. I'm thankful to have relationships that I can count on. Relationships that I know that are going to be there. I've seen people come in and go out of my life over the years. But I'm thankful for some that are lasting. And I trust them. Beyond all those humans, the few that are trustworthy, Jesus can always be trusted. And so I just want to say to you this morning, the most important decisions that you'll ever make, they all have within them this whole idea of believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth. One last verse and I'm finished. Revelation chapter 12. We're in a battle. We're in a battle fighting the enemy, the enemy of our souls. The roaring lion of Satan. The dragon of the book of Revelation. It says, And they have conquered him. The context is the devil. They have conquered him by two things. Look at them. Say them with me. The blood of the lamb, and by what? For they love not their lives even unto death. Two things, a twofold process. Something that already happened, but something that's being activated now. The blood of the lamb is 2,000 years ago, the lamb already shed his blood. For everything, every sin you've ever committed, every sin that you'll ever commit, everything you will ever need, everything you've ever needed, all of that's wrapped up in the payment when Jesus hung on the cross and screamed, Tetelestai, it is finished, it is paid for in full. So when you now ask in prayer, but you believe that you have received it, it's because of the payment that was made 2,000 years ago. It was bought You already have received it in Christ. It's yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Gracious God, thank you for your love for us, for your blessing that you poured out upon us. For men and women, boys and girls, under the sound of my voice right now in this place, who've never crossed the line of faith, who may have had the thought and believed in their heart but have never said to publicly profess it, Jesus be Lord of my life. They never said it with their mouth. This is not something that you have to go after, you don't don't climb a ladder to heaven to get it, you don't dig down into the earth to the dead to recover it, you don't go on a spiritual quest on the other side of the sea to obtain it, but it's already yours. Christ has already accomplished it for you. He took your place. God's demand, the law that says behave, demands perfection. It demands complete and total every word, every commandment to be obeyed. And if we've broken one, we are guilty of breaking the whole thing. None of us can ever live up to those kinds of expectations. I'm always going to come short when it comes to the law. But Jesus Christ fulfilled every commandment obeyed God perfectly in every every demand of the law every every time God said behave Jesus did it and now this morning you and I can be in Christ and we can have the righteousness of God not because of what we do but because of what he already did And it's a gift I can just keep on living the same way I'm living thinking that I'm gonna work my way out of it and end up doing pretty good but the Bible says I'm gonna keep on earning the same wages the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's put this thing in, in, in a different way, in some new words. We just read it. This story we're talking about, if you just believe it in your heart and speak it out of your mouth, the Bible says you will be saved. It's that simple. The law says behave, the gospel says believe. So today I'm just wondering, is there someone, head bowed, eyes closed?